Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. Today, Jesse and I are going to be talking about The Matrix, but before we do, I just did the introduction, so jumped ahead of schedule. I'm Wayne G. I'm with Jesse. What's going on? Hello, Wayne. It's great to see you be uh, in front of the people's ears and eyes again. I know they don't see me, but they, they wish they could. But they are so glad to be hearing another episode from us, too. Uh, Recasted 2.0, coming at them again. Absolutely. We're definitely picking up steam. I don't know exactly what the download numbers are. I usually check them beforehand. So that's one of the things I don't have on my several pages of notes here. But just a reminder for everyone, follow us on social media, Facebook at Recast the Podcast, Instagram at Recast the Podcast 8. And where we're getting the most flow, where you can probably reach us the easiest because I check it the most is Twitter. That is at Recast the Podcast. And you can message us or you can comment in any of the tweets. So I've been having some fun with that. And hopefully we'll get more and more followers as the time goes on. Absolutely. Yeah, I love to uh, go on Twitter and see what we're talking about, see what everybody else is talking about in the movie universe. So it's definitely the best vehicle for us to get to talking to people. If you follow the show, you know that we are not spoiler free. Whatever movie we are doing is at least 20 years old. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, come on, you're probably not listening. So I don't think we should have to say it's spoiler free. But before we do get into the movies, I did have a few people I wanted to thank. Uh, Well, first, we'll say congratulations to Jesse because he yet again wins with his cast for The Rock. I will say that I won six to three on Facebook, but Jesse thumped me on Twitter 12 to five for a 15 to 11 overall victory. Uh, that one was uh, definitely better than uh, the last one, Wayne, and I think we were garnering more books than the last movie as well. So I love the uh, momentum we're getting, and I love the streak I have going. I don't think I've won one yet, to be honest, since I've started keeping track. So hopefully that can change with this one. But you never know, because I feel like we cast people and I think, wow, this is a really good cast. And then it gets to the vote and people, nobody likes it. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I think we're doing the research based on what we feel. And then, you know, the people have different opinions than us. So I'm glad that we're sticking our own guns. And, you know, I, I feel genuinely that we're picking these people with our passion as to who we feel would best fit these roles in these current representations and not just trying to pander to the Twitter audience or the Facebook audience out there. I did want to thank the podcasts who did participate. We do tag them all whenever we come out with a new cast and not everyone votes. We'll get to those people in a few seconds, but the people who did vote, I want to give them a quick shout out. I don't have all of their tags. So this is the name of them. Search for them on Twitter, follow them. These are all our friends. They are the ones who interact with us. And so you guys should be following them and helping them interacting with them as well. So quick rundown here, Walk the Cinema Podcast, Another Millennial Reviewer, Bad Dad's Film Review, Game for a Movie Podcast, Cinema Recall, When Harry Met Movies, The Movie Journey, Movies in Focus, Movies on the Way, Mashley at the Movies, Superhero Speak, Shoot the Flick, Film Shake, The 90s Movies Podcast, Movie Drone Podcast, Rio, The Movie Fiend, Flicks X-Raid, And lastly, Beefy Boys Podcast. So thank you to all of them. If you're a listener, please make sure you're listening to these guys as well. We try to support each other as a bit of a community. Absolutely. Love the amount of votes we got. And all those podcasts put out very good content. So please check them out when you can. There are a couple who did not vote. And we're going to call these people out because they're part of our universe. And if our universe isn't supporting each other, then, you know, what's going on here? First and foremost, our boys across the pond, Field of Screens, Neither one of them, D. Kiff nor James, voted for The Rock. Now, I understood when neither of them had seen The Negotiator, but I know they've seen The Rock. I mean, come on. Yeah, I can't give them the white flag to wave every movie here. So we're not going to be constantly recasting movies, you know, that maybe are so near and dear to their heart. But 
they, they've got to go ahead and do us a solid. Let us know what they think about our cast. You know, we rely on these folks over there. Help us extend the, the viewership for both shows. So hopefully they can help us out more in the future. Despite their lack of participation the past couple of weeks, I do want to give them the shout out. They are in our universe. And if you want to follow them, it is FOS underscore pod. And they are great. Cover nothing but sports movies. Their newest one is Rocky 2. I just started listening to it. I've already texted them a couple of corrections based on the first 12 minutes of their show. So I think other shows like that. They like my critique. <laughs> yeah, I listened to their Moneyball episode most recently, and I really enjoyed that. They had some passion about it. Them not being so close to baseball, I really enjoyed hearing their take on it. Yeah, I messaged them about that one. And if you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. I'm just going to comment on a part that was missing that I had an issue with. And I messaged them that they were missing the trade deadline scene when they trade for Ricardo Rincon. And Billy says he'll pay for him out of his own pocket. I thought that was such a great scene. And I was like, wow, they didn't even touch on that. You can't do the entire movie. I think that may be some podcast flaws. They try and recap an entire movie, and nobody wants an entire retelling. So, you know, they tried to get to the best parts, the parts that they felt would make the most impact. Another one of these movies that we've been following recently, I've listened to several episodes over the past couple of weeks, is Best Film Ever Podcast. This is another British podcast. The main host is from Canada, but the rest of the show is from England. They just recently did Casino Royale. Uh, the James Bond movie, and they, they break down a whole movie, and it has to have at least an 8, I think, on IMDb or an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's their criteria. And so they did Casino Royale, which I love. That was the first James Bond movie I ever actually really watched, and now I'm hooked on Daniel Craig. They set a high bar when it comes to the movies that they will certainly touch on. They're getting the cream that rises to the top. And the last one I had, well, not last one. Yeah, we'll call it the last one because we have a special one afterwards. But the last one is the Movie Wars podcast. I've been listening to them. They take two movies. They pit them against each other. They rank them based on different criteria, based on the movie specifically. Like they might say best vest if there's a lot of vests in the movie or something like that. And they basically wait. Black Widow. Yeah, well, I don't even give you started on Black Widow. <laughs> We've been down that path a number of times. <laughs> and uh, their newest one is actually Godfather versus Goodfellas. And it was such perfect timing because, as I mentioned to you last episode, I had just finished watching all three of the Godfather movies. And so I've seen Goodfellas a number of times. So I wanted to hear their breakdown of the movie war. I want to say Godfather won the war. And again, I can't say it enough. It's a great film in terms of cinematography, costumes, dialogue. But this is a really boring, slow movie. I would never recommend The Godfather to anybody. I feel like you could easily cut an hour out of it and make it better. Yeah, I think it's tough when you're comparing three movies that what encapsulate 12 hours and you're comparing that to another movie that's, what, two and a half hours. It's it's hard to really compare the two. I know they touch upon a lot of the same criteria, but ugh, God, Godfather's such a slog, man. Goodfellas me everything I want in a good crisp two, two and a half hours. Yeah, Goodfellas kicks right off with a murder. You're like, let's right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, there's no wasting time. Special podcast shout out this one this week. We'll try to do one of these every week. We'll pick a new one and talk specifically about them. But I wanted to talk about the quantum recast. This is one that Jesse brought to my attention. He started listening before I did. And I've gone through like four or five of their episodes already. They do like what we do. So if you like what we do, you're really, really going to like theirs. They actually have a little bit more rules to theirs because they're taking a movie from X year, uprooting it, putting it into a completely different year, casting it in that year with the caveat that whoever you put into the roles can't do any of the movies that they did that year. So if you put, let's say, Goodfellas, which we've already done, back in the 1986, and you cast Tom Cruise for some reason, I wouldn't, but if you did, he can't do Top Gun. 
Yeah, I love the rules and in the box that they force themselves to be in. I feel like it really gives themselves a challenge. I've listened to several of their episodes as well. I've really enjoyed their takes on the movies that they do. And again, I think the challenging aspect they do is they take just a random movie, put it in a random year that's not this current year like we do, and they, they play inside that zone. And I think it's it's really exciting to see what they would do in that box. And again, I've listened to probably four or five episodes like you, and it's been a very fun ride every time. The most recent episodes I've listened to were The Mummy, and interesting the way that the top two, or the top people considered for the role, the lead role turned out because of mine and Jesse's last movie. And then Wolf of Wall Street is the one where I really got into them because I did not like who they cast as Donnie. And again, I'll keep it spoiler free. You have to listen to find out. But I was so angry, and and Jesse knows, when I don't like a particular cast, I just go off the deep end. (laughs) Yeah, he's a passionate guy, folks. I can only imagine what the DMs of the Quantum Recast podcast looks like right now. Uh, they just did Ocean's Eleven, and I did reach out to them again and let them know I liked the episode, and, and I gave them some of my thoughts and some of their picks. But it's definitely, there's no bad blood there. We are talking about some crossover episodes coming up. We'll see how it goes. I know they said that you know they could have one of us maybe on their show at one point. I said it should probably be me. I said Jesse doesn't really know any actors before 2000, so... Uh, you probably want to go with somebody a little more knowledgeable. But I said, oh, they could come on our show maybe one at a time or as a team, however they want to do it. Yeah, I would love any opportunity to kind of just get together with them and pick their brains. They can pick ours and we can really just have a go at it. I think movie versus movie, host versus host. I think it could really be fun. Again, I think it's really challenging and, and exciting what they do over there on their podcast. Uh, the next one they have coming up is The Shining. They are brewed from its original year, which I believe is 1980, and they bring it into the mid-90s. I believe they're bringing it to 1995, so that will be a fun episode to listen to. Again, that's the next one. They drop bi-weekly. Kind of jumping the gun because I haven't really done the research into what this person has done in 1995, but just based on Jack Nicholson and his type of persona, 1995, I'm recasting him with Jim Carrey off the top of my head. Yeah, you'd have to have someone you know pretty crazy. I know that Jim Carrey had a pretty legendary mid-90s run when it comes to The Mask and Ace Ventura. He had a great time there, so he would probably be a great fit just off the top. If you end up picking Jim Carrey, then I'm going to want to see some residuals go into your pocket, Wayne. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't know what he did. Obviously, if he did Ace Ventura, then you can't really uproot him from that movie. But if it's like where he did, because he did some crappy movies too. So, I mean, if it's one of the crappier ones, go ahead and take him out. I do love that caveat, though. I like that you brought that up. They, you know, They really make it more challenging on themselves by not just picking a specific year, but by wiping that actor or actress's entire slate clean outside what they're they're doing the episode on. So I really like that aspect. And I think that you would struggle with that. And we'll get into that with our recast. Yeah, yeah I, I think I would have fun. I, I do like that aspect of it as well. I did mention to them one of the roles that they cast in Ocean's Eleven. I won't say which one. You guys have to listen. But I said to them that I would have cast Christian Slater uh, because I believe they did Ocean's Eleven in 2012. So I went and I looked at Ocean's Eleven, or I went and looked at Christian Slater for 2012. What was he in? He did 11 movies in 2012, like a movie per month. And I was going through them, and by the end, I said, you know what? Take him out of all of them. He'd be better off in Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) He'd be better off getting all those off of his Wikipedia page. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Getting into some of our topical stuff, I know you send me stuff all week, and that's really what I usually use to fill in this segment. And the first one was you would ask me about DC releases. So this is 2022 and 2023 DC Comics releases, which are going to be the Batman, Black Adam, Flash, Aquaman, and Shazam. 
Now, I thought Black Adam is kind of like a Shazam 2. Am I wrong about that? Uh, well, they definitely have a Shazam 2. I think Black Adam's the introduction of a, of a different character, and that's Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character. I just thought he was a, a nemesis to Shazam, which is why when I saw Shazam at the bottom of the list, I was like, oh, are they doing two Shazam movies? Or maybe they're just going to focus on Black Adam and not really bring up Shazam maybe till the end credit or something. Who knows with DC at this point, Wayne? I got to be upfront and honest with you. I haven't done enough research on the DC universe, whether it be the comics or the cinematic universe, to know about what Black Adam is really all about, where he really stands in that universe. My point to you when I sent that to you was which one of these movies excites you the most? How many of these excite you? And I think you came back with at least two. And for me, it was just the Batman, just that the Robert Pattinson Batman's coming out. It was really the only DC movie out of all those that really gets my nips hard. See, I liked Shazam, the original. So I'm cool to see a sequel with that because I like the funny. It's the one Marvel-like type of production that they had, whether it was comedy and action and stuff. So I, I was hoping they were learning their lesson. Now, obviously, the Batman's going to go back into that dark world. But then I do like Shazam kind of being a little bit of a lighter film. And even Flash, I think, could be kind of a lighter film. Right, yeah, most of DC's universe has been very dark, like set inside. They they do the filming inside the Batcave, it seems. Shazam was definitely a fun, energetic, different vibe. So, yeah, maybe I'll be excited for that as it gets closer. But, you know, really, ultimately, it's that new Batman. Even though we've seen so many different versions of Batman, I'm starting to really get excited for Robert Pattinson's take. It does make me think of Deadpool 2 when Deadpool is fighting Cable, and he says to him, you're so dark, shouldn't you be in the DC universe? <laughs> Yeah, that's what makes Ryan Reynolds so, so good is his ability to just break that fourth wall. The second bit here is some artwork you'd sent me of Namor, who I know you said is like the Aquaman of the Marvel Universe. And he was choking what looked like Black Panther, Shuri, who I think we all think is going to be the Black Panther. She had kind of like a gold instead of the purple. And I don't know, I'm curious to get your thoughts. I know that you're excited about Namor. Namor, how am I saying that wrong? Yeah, no, I think you're you're getting it right on. It's uh, Namor, and if I'm wrong, then we'll let somebody who has much more knowledge correct us later on, force them to interact with us, Wayne. But he's definitely, I, I would say, Black Panther's biggest nemesis. You know, he is the big dude under the sea when it comes to Marvel. He's almost like Stone Cold, the, the wrestler, where he can kind of be good or bad. He's written both lines. You know, we do already have somebody casted to be him in the Marvel Universe sometime down the road. And I wouldn't be shocked if that's what we end up seeing with this larger look at Wakanda in the second Black Panther movie. And speaking of the second Black Panther movie, the thing that I think I'm curious to see is how they talk about Chadwick Boseman not being there. Because obviously he doesn't die in the Marvel Cinematic Universe thus far. And they've said the production team has said they're not going to do the, the you know, Luke Skywalker digital Chadwick Boseman in the movie. So how do you explain to the crowd that he's not in this movie? Yeah, that's going to be some type of transition or bridge that they're going to have to really take some deep consideration for because all the fans know the impact that he had on that movie, that universe. So they're really going to have to take some time to make sure that that comes out just the way it needs to. Something else I wanted to ask you, especially after the Wolf episode that I, I hope you've gotten the chance to see is any chance we see Killmonger in this, in this uh, new Black Panther movie, Wayne? I don't think so. I think they did a good job of killing him off. I mean, I guess they could always say, no, no, he didn't actually die. He fell asleep and then they healed him. But I don't know. I think that it's fine to kill him off. I thought it would have been great to have him be the next Black Panther. Like maybe he's seen the light now. He had that heart to heart with T'Challa on the mountaintop. But no, because even in the what if, he's still evil. I was going to say, if that's how they bridge you know, into 
the news using that what if episode to kind of show that you know he had a conversation with Chadwick Boseman's character. Maybe that's something they could consider doing. The other one I have here for you, you sent me over the Eternals, which is going to have a runtime of two hours and 36 minutes and is giving a hard R rating. I don't know about you. The hard R doesn't really do anything for me. That doesn't excite me or not excite me. It doesn't really do anything. And the two hours and 36 actually concerns me. Yeah, I don't need super long movies unless you're really buttoning up a 23 movie storytelling like Infinity War and Endgame was. Then I really don't need you to be the slog the Godfather was. Two and a half hours, three hours, I don't need all that. And I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Hard R doesn't really excite me any further either. Really, from what I saw from the trailer, I'm in. Don't give me a bunch more that kind of makes me change my mind. Um, I'm trying to just steer my mind away from seeing anything other than that first trailer I saw or that Redux trailer that had a bit more action in it, a bit more uh, laser eyes. We'll see where we go from there. The only movie I'm really concerned about getting a hard R is Deadpool. Do not bring me a PG-13 Deadpool. Yeah, Disney's going to have to figure that out. They're certainly not going to be able to bring that to uh, Disney Plus platform at any point in time. The other thing that you sent me was October releases. Again, asking which of these October movies are you most excited for or are you even a little bit excited for? So right off the top of the list was the movie Venom, and I am extremely excited to see Venom. Now, if it wasn't for any of the Twitter rumors, Wayne, and the potential for the ties to Spider-Man, would you still be excited for Venom? I would. I actually really liked Tom Hardy as Venom. The, I liked the first one. So. I mean, the Venom trailers alone have me interested, but I don't know if it has, like, if I had to rank my excitement out of those movies that I did show you, I'm not sure if that one makes the top two or three. The Twitter rumors and potential stirrings of what could happen at the end of the movie that makes, I think, a lot of hubbub. It's getting a lot of people excited, but I, don't, I really don't know if it's going to pay off. So I don't want to put all those all my marbles out of that basket. Many Saints of Newark, I know, is like a prequel to The Sopranos. I think it's very cool that Michael Gandolfini is going to be playing the lead role. But I didn't watch The Sopranos, so not really excited for this one. I haven't finished The Sopranos, so it's nothing that I'm going to be breaking the door down to watch right away. But through the season or two that I'm into Sopranos... I definitely enjoy it. I can see why it got the hype that it got for when it came out. I think James Gandolfini did a fantastic job. Eventually, when I finish All Supremos, I will watch you know, The May Saints of Newark, and I agree with you. I think it's a very cool touch that they have his son playing him. If you remember, I actually chose Michael Gandolfini to play a role in our Goodfellas recast, just to kind of keep that mobbed uh, connection alive. Titan, or Titan? I don't know. I don't even know what the movie is, so not excited. I'm also pretty flaccid for Titan. <laughs> uh, no Time to Die. Yes, please. This is the final Daniel Craig installment of the James Bond before we go to Idris Elba. So very excited to see that. Well, thank God you can take over as James Bond and stop starring in all your movies, Wayne. But yeah, the No Time to Die, from what I've heard, takes plenty of time, actually. It's more than two and a half hours. Uh, so right up there with Eternals, who you would just poo-pooed on for their runtime. Yeah, but this is James Bond with Daniel Craig, so I know it's going to be good. Just like when Endgame came out and they said it was three and a half hours, I was like, I don't care. That's going to fly right by. Yeah, I'll wear a diaper. You're not getting me to move. <laughs> uh, the rest of these movies I wasn't super interested in, so just kind of running down them. Let me know. If the, the, oh, actually, I'll, I'll comment on this one. The next one is The Last Duel, and I know I mentioned to you I saw the preview, and it actually looks like it could be a good movie, but Matt Damon looks completely out of place, and I feel like he just shouldn't do anything that takes place before 1950. 
Yeah, he's got that mullet. And uh, Adam Driver's in this movie, of course. Matt Damon's good buddy. Ben Affleck is in this movie as well. It looks like it could be really good. Based on the trailer, it looks like something I'd watch. I might. It just, he throws me off. I just can't get past the Matt Damon thing. And I like Matt Damon. Like, I'll see him. Like, School Ties is great. But you put him in a movie where he plays a knight or a cowboy or anything like that, I'm out. <laughs> we'll see. I, I think he's versatile enough. Then there's Halloween Kills. I'm not a big horror guy, so I'm not going to check that one out. No, I've seen enough of the Halloween series. I believe this is the third of the trilogy here that uh, Danny McBride was doing under the Halloween series. You know, we're seeing more comedic actors try and dip their toes into the horror scene. So Danny McBride doing Halloween. And, and as we know, I've mentioned Jordan Peele and what he's done in the horror realm as well. Dune, the CGI looks incredible, but I'm not familiar with the story of it. And the preview, I'm just like, all right, it looks like Stargate. I'm not familiar with the story at all, so it kind of intrigues me because I'm kind of sick of seeing stories told over and over and over again. And the CGI does look amazing. So with the amount of time they're putting into this and how long they've been hyping this up, it should be a doozy. Uh, this is one that I'll probably go see in theaters. The French dis was this one dispatch. The French, the French dispatch. Yeah. The French Dispatch, you know, it's, it's got a great director and it's got a star-studded cast, but I'm not inter interested in the least, Wayne. Okay, yeah, I don't even really know what it is. The Harder They Fall, I know that's got my boy Idris Elba, so I'll be there to watch that one. Yeah, is that the uh, the one that I sent you, that Netflix documentary? Or not documentary, but that Netflix one uh, where he's like a, a Western one? It looks like it. Like It looks like almost like he might be a slave or something, and they go to free him, and then they shoot all the soldiers that are on the train. Yeah, I got the very most badass, like, Wild Wild West vibes from it. Um, it also has Regina King in it. It also has Jonathan Majors. So that is definitely something I'll be seeing. Based on a few things I've seen from Netflix in the last week or two alone, definitely looking like I may have to go ahead and uh, get a subscription. And the last one for October that I know that you're excited about, or at least last time we talked about it, The Last Night in Soho, I'm still not really down with it. Yeah, have you seen Queen's Gambit at all? The chess show, there's about seven or eight episodes on Netflix, and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy. Have you seen that at all? I have not. So, so I'm not even a chess fanatic, but I mean, after watching it, I was enthralled, and I'd watch anything she's in. She also was just casted to be the voice of Princess Peach in that pretty star-studded animated Mario movie that's going to come out that stars Chris Pratt and Charlie Day. So, I mean, she's definitely going to start making the rounds. She's a young, young superstar. So give that a watch and then let me know if this interests you more. But the trailer looks good. And I think knowing what I've seen from her, I'll go and see her uh, until she proves me wrong. Speaking of watching anything, have you seen anything recently? I know obviously we just touched on What <laughs> If, but uh, what else have you been watching? I'm still in my reality game world for the most part. Survivor just came back for the first time in over a year. So we are two weeks into the newest Survivor. They have changed their format to be 26 days as opposed to 39. So it's a compacted season, more difficult, harder challenges. He will take your flint so you can't keep fire. I punishes you if you lose challenges. So, so far, it's been an exciting season there. In the uh, right in the thick of it with the challenge, which is right up there with my favorite shows, and something I'd like to recommend to you is Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. I don't know if I've touched on it before, but it's a show that I'm almost through with. And it stars uh, Melissa McCarthy, Nicole Kidman, and many more. And I think that it's something that you would enjoy. Um, it's not something I'd seen something like before. And I definitely enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, I think you brought it up when you first started watching it. And uh, I haven't gotten around to that. I did pick up Billions. So Billions is back with your guy, Damian Lewis or general, uh, whatever it is. 
And I, I like Billions, so I'm caught up now on that. Love that show. And then, of course, I just watched Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe. Very weird. I will say it has a very Scott Pilgrim versus the World vibe because it feels very video game-ish. I am actually excited to see that. I will have to admit I've not seen that one. I thought it was just bizarre. I mean, I thought my daughter would like it because she likes Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I hate it. I crap all over it anytime people bring it up. So it definitely felt like I was watching Gamer or Death Race or one of those movies. It just has like, ugh, this is like bad script. And But I think it's supposed to be, you know what I mean? But even though it's self-aware, I still didn't really love it. And then I have, lastly, I just started watching, finished season one of Peaky Blinders on Netflix. And everyone who's talked about it has been like, oh, this is the greatest show. This is the greatest show. You know, I hadn't really gotten around to it. Kind of like Sons of Anarchy. I still haven't watched that yet. But I was like, all right, Peaky Blinders, I will put one episode on. Let's see if I can get into it. It takes place in like 1900s, you know, 1910 in England. And it's gangs. It's kind of like gangs in New York, but in England. And I'm watching it and I'm like, all right, it's a very slow burn. Not a lot of action at first, but I love it. Like I'm into season two now. It's It's really good. Everyone's right. Anybody recognizable that the fans would know that that stars in it? Anybody like me who has not seen the show that I'm like, oh, okay, I've seen that person. I, I'd be comfortable starting this show. Absolutely, because both Peaky Blinders and Guns Akimbo are going to come up later in this episode. But Cillian Murphy is the star of Peaky Blinders. He's like the head of the Peaky Blinders, which is a gang in, in London. Oh, perfect. So I uh, can't wait to uh, get into more about that. Absolutely. With that said, are we ready to recast The Matrix? I'm ready to do it. Uh, you want to choose the red pill or the blue pill, Wayne? Uh, which one were they again? Well, the blue pill was you wake up tomorrow and uh, this never happened. You choose your own destiny. Red pill is you go further into Wonderland and uh, deeper down that rabbit hole. I'm taking the blue pill. Oh, you nerd. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Today we are recasting The Matrix from 1999. We are going to do a plot recap in a minute, but I'm sure everybody knows who The Matrix is. And if you've stayed around this long, you're waiting to see who we recast in it. It was directed by the Wachowski brothers, who get a ton of credit for directing The Matrix movies. Prior to this, they had directed Bound with Jennifer Tilly and Gina Gershon. And since then, they've cast or they've directed Speed Racer and Jupiter Ascending. So really, outside of The Matrix, they haven't directed anything good. Yeah, and honestly, the Matrix movies, they didn't get much as they went on. So uh, this was about as good as it got for them. So we'd like to do a plot recap before we jump into things. This is from Wikipedia, the official sponsor of the show. And Wikipedia says about the Matrix, Neo believes that Morpheus, an elusive figure considered to be the most dangerous man alive, can answer his question, what is the Matrix? Neo is contacted by trinity a beautiful stranger who leads him into an underworld where he meets morpheus they fight a brutal battle for their lives against a cadre of viciously intelligent secret agents it is a truth that could cost neo something more precious than his life it got 8.7 on imdb and 88 percent on rotten tomatoes it's two hours and 16 minutes did you like it i did i i watched it this past week and i remember watching it way back when it first came out some crazy special effects for what it was at the time. Definitely a deep story. And some stuff after the rewatch recently that I'm just like, probably didn't need that to be in there. 
But overall, a really enjoyable movie. I liked the movie as well. It came out when I was working at the movie theater as an usher. And I could see it for free, but I want to say I didn't see it until it was on DVD. So I didn't actually see it while it was playing. I remember I worked the night that Phantom Menace came out and talk about a freak show. So I worked that night, opening night, midnight, and everyone's dressed up in their costumes and they show up. We had it in our two biggest theaters, but one of the uh, the films came in damaged. So we need to get another Phantom Menace like airlifted to us. And what we told the crowd who had already paid for their tickets is option one, you can get a refund or like a, a rain check for the movie at some other time, as well as a free ticket to any other movie any other time. So like two free movie t- passes. Or you can stick around and watch The Matrix. And then when The Matrix is over, we should have the film and then you can watch The Phantom Menace. So some people opted for that. That'd be a crazy back-to-back sequence there, especially back then. <laughs> so we are going to kick things off. Uh, I don't know. Is it you or me who goes first? I, I can never remember. You went first last time, so I'm going to go first this time. Again, under this new format, we are sending each other our cast prior to and giving each other some time to poke holes or to fall in love with people we originally hated. To uh, start this off, my Neo star in this movie, you know, played by Keanu Reeves, is Daniel Radcliffe. That is someone who, at first glance, at first hear uh, from our fans and maybe even you, you're going to go, oh my goodness, Harry Potter. I'm going to go, whoa, 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 give this guy a chance, you know. He's done several things since then, things to set himself apart, things like Guns Akimbo. He's also done a film called Imperium, where he is actually a former military man, and he is asked to work both sides of a KKK kind of ring, as well as, you know, he does on the force. And he's really struggling with both those realities as he gets deeper and deeper into those. So... Guns Akimbo, something you had touched on. It is a movie that really centers on online bullies, online trolls, and then takes those people. And Schism is the, the big group that pulls those people aside and um, basically forces them to have like a, a death match, an online death match that people can watch in New Zealand. And so Daniel Radcliffe in that movie has pistols bolted to his hands. And there's some comedy in the movie and there's some awkwardness. But, you know, him being abducted and really forced into different realities in both those movies and him being that slight frame, having that dark, mysterious vibe, and him looking like he could be a computer nerd, a computer hacker, computer programmer, gave me all the right vibes. So I love my Daniel Radcliffe, no matter what you're coming at me with, Wayne. I will say I did not like this choice, and I did some further research to try to like the choice, as we did last episode, and I still couldn't get myself around to like it. And what's sad about it is that I like Daniel Radcliffe a lot. I think he's a really good actor, and I like that he's getting away from the Harry Potter thing. I watched a show that he was in where he played an angel. Steve Buscemi played God, and they were trying to, like, I think it was called, like, Miracles or something like that. And it was, yeah, good. It's on it was really good. Apple TV, I think. Is it? Yeah, because they've done a couple seasons, but only the first season was where he was an angel. And season two, I think he's somebody else. But the. He's good in that, and he's good in Now You See Me Too. He plays kind of like this guy who's trying to set them up, and he's good in that. And then Guns Akimbo was a different role for him, kind of, but he still played a nerd in it. Like, he was a computer nerd, and when they strap the guns to him, he never quite fully embraces being an action star. He's still kind of a nerd who's trying to figure out how to shoot guns and things like that. So for me, as much as I love him, and I think he fits that, you know, that dark, character the mysterious character like you said i just don't feel like he has an athletic enough build Uh, i I don't believe him as being able to fight karate and do all kinds of crazy stuff even in the matrix 
And he's just not an action star to me. He's, he's more believable in like A Few Good Men. If you say, you know, Daniel Radcliffe's going to be in a remake of A Few Good Men, I'd go watch it. And I would be like, yes, I can't wait to see Daniel Radcliffe in this. But as far as an action star, I think that, that was my big knock on it was that he's just not an athletic, action-y type of person. I guess, you know, looking back at 33, 35-year-old Keanu Reeves, I don't see an athletic build either. I see really a a nerd that probably had a few cans of Red Bulls next to him, a few half-eaten slices of pizza and fell asleep at his several screens of computers. But I, I think overall, I mean, I accept your criticism. I was going to accept it whether you liked it or not. And uh, I, I really love my pick. And uh, I'm excited for you to announce to the listeners who your pick is. For sure. And I'm glad that you brought up that Keanu Reeves back then at 35 wasn't the super most athletic guy coming off a point break where he was a professional football prospect who became a surfer and also in Speed where he was an action star as a police officer who defuses the bomb, Johnny Mnemonic, which was also a kind of sci-fi action film. But that's fine. So he did all that stuff before he did this movie. And then I think he kind of fit that role. I put dark emo vibe. That's going to be for every one of these characters nerdyish tech IT guy, soft-spoken and quiet, kind of a brooding. Like, he doesn't smile a whole lot in this movie, if at all. I'm flashing back. I can't picture him smiling at any point in the movie. And kind of slim athletic build. I went with Kit Harrington, who most people know as Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. He's going to be Dane Whitman in The Eternals coming up. So he's kind of just getting started. His IMDb was only 18 properties that he had acted in. So he's just kind of getting started, but everyone would know him as Jon Snow. And I think he fits that kind of dark, brooding doesn't smile a whole lot, although he does smile more in Game of Thrones than Neo does in this movie. Yeah, I, I definitely love your, your pick here. I think Kit Harrington fits the same vibes that Neo does. He's got a, you know the dark, mysterious vibes, a very slender frame. We don't see Neo take his shirt off at all. So whether in other films he was a ripped athlete, you know, we don't see him take his shirt off here to the point where you know he's ripped it all. I think he looks more slummy, but. I think your pick of Kit Harrington. he's not overly aggressive, he's not jacked. Even though in Game of Thrones we see him throw some people around, that's the part of the action that I think you're seeing missing from my Daniel Radcliffe. I think, you know, overall, I had zero complaints about your Kit Harrington here. I think he could really pull off a great Neo. We both went with Brits here, and I think overall I don't dislike either one of our picks. Getting into Morpheus, this is the next important character. And Morpheus, the notes I have on him, originally played by Lawrence Fishburne, who was 38 at the time. I'm a big Lawrence Fishburne fan. Prior to this movie, he had done Hoodlum, Boys in the Hood, Searching for Bobby Fischer, great chess movie. And he was also in Just Cause, which is a great movie with Sean Connery, who we just recasted. But he is really good in that. And I put, again, dark emo vibe. He's lighter and less brooding than Neo. Like Morpheus smiles a few times. He plays kind of a wise, mysterious mentor to Neo, and I like his character because I think he brings a little bit of light or levity to the Matrix situation. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I went with Michael Jai White, who this is the third time I've recast him. Jesse will mention that. I recasted him as Serrano in our major league back when we were recasted 1.0. And I recasted him as Castleback and Gone in 60 Seconds. He was in Spawn. He was in Welcome to Sudden Death, Mortal Kombat Legacy. He played Jax. 
if you're following a theme, he's a martial artist. That's what he does. So very actiony. I think he'd fit very well with these action sequences where he's, especially in the karate dojo scene, that's going to be fantastic. And of course he was in the dark night where he was the guy that, you know, uh, Heath Ledger put the knife up to his mouth. was like, why so serious? Cause he was, uh, kind of trying to fight against the Joker there. And I think Michael J. White, I think plays a perfect Morpheus to my Kit Harrington. What are you falling on the sword, Wayne? Like you're B-Rabbit in 8 Mile, just trying to diss yourself and take all the heat. No, no, no. Because earlier in the episode, you brought up a fun podcast, Quantum Recast, and they have that rule about, you know, you'd have to basically wipe this guy's year clean. You can't wipe Michael J. White's year clean because he's already been in several things. You've recast them this year. So, I mean, I think I think you overuse them. I'm going to use the term here, and I'm going to use this term because I know that, Wayne, you have thick skin. But I think your use of Michael Jai White is in the best way possible. It's it's lazy. Yes, he fits martial artists, but I think there are so many other fitting stars that you could have used here that it it's comes off as lazy as in our, you know, amount of episodes we've done so far for you to use him for a third time. I was a little sad, but he definitely has a big brooding body. You know, we see Agent Smith in the movie give him some whoopings, and of course, you know. There has to be some suspense of belief in, in that because Agent Smith isn't someone that, you know, even in a real movie, Hugo Weaving doesn't compare to Lawrence Fishburne's size. But Michael Jai White, I mean, he played Spawn. He's been in martial arts since then. I mean, I looked at pictures of him currently, and he is ripped. So I wonder if maybe he's a bit too big. But I certainly think that wearing the shades, wearing the dark stuff, he's going to be able to, you know, get convey all the messages and dialogue he needs to. And I think that's going to be important, Wayne, because when we talk about dialogue, Lawrence Fishburne carries the movie a lot, as does Hugo Weaving. Keanu doesn't have a ton of dialogue, and really most of his dialogue is, if you look at the first half of the movie, so many of his dialogue is just him asking questions. What's going on? It's not a spoon? So he's he's just asking questions the first half of the movie. And uh, his his longest bit of the movie is actually that speech as the credits are about to roll. You know, that's the biggest back and forth he has is really just a back and forth with him in the credits. When it comes to dialogue, I just wanted to note that that's something I'd kind of thought of. And I also heard that somewhere else. But Michael Jai White, I think he's a good pick. I just think you could have done better. I'm I'm not mad. I'm just I'm just disappointed. <laughs> so my Morpheus is Carl Urban. He is someone who most recently was Billy Butcher in The Boys, which is getting a season three. As far as I know, on Amazon, it is a R-rated very different uh, on superheroes and uh, the realities of them and, you know, maybe the bad business of them. And he plays a very Morpheus-like character, someone who's playing the role of one to kind of throw over this bad thing that people don't see as bad. And I think he does a great job in that role. He pulls a, a young gent in the first episode to basically be his, his man, his Neo. This is like a scene in The Matrix. Now, you could take the fucking red pill, right? Spend the rest of your life jacking off, crying into your chai tea, green latte, what the fuck? Or you could take the blue pill. Was it the red pill? Anyway, take the other pill and quit being a cunt. Which pill do you want me to take? Just quit being a cunt, that's what I'm saying. And through that, you know, I, I really got a lot of vibes that he'd be a good fit here. He was also in Dread. As Judge Dredd, he was also in uh, Thor, the Thor movies. Um, you remember him kind of making a bit of a fool of himself there. He plays a bald gentleman there. Um, but I think Carl Urban, he, he does have a, a foreign accent, but I think he could absolutely pull off whatever's necessary here with my Daniel Radcliffe's Neo. For sure. I think So 
Carl Urban is probably most famous for being Dr. Bones McCoy in the new Star Trek movies, uh, Star Trek Beyond and all those. The ones with Chris Pine, he's the doctor. That's what I recognized the most from. And then obviously as I went into IMDb, I saw he was in he was Scourge and Ragnarok. And so looking at him, I mean, the notes I really made on the pick is it, kind of funny. I said, this is a better pick than Daniel Radcliffe. But what's funny is that I feel like he's the perfect pick for Daniel Radcliffe in terms of playing the Morpheus role. So like having the two of them together actually makes the first pick a little bit better because I feel like he can carry that load a little bit more. And so that's really the only notes I had. I think Carl Urban, you're right. I think he plays that Morpheus type of character. He's wise. Just the way he talks, it sounds like he's a teacher. He's educated. And I could believe him in the fight scenes. We saw him fight in the Star Trek movies. So everything's very good here. Again, I didn't love it. Like There's going to be some picks that you have here that I love, which we'll get to. But uh, I liked it. And I, what I really like about it is that as much as I dislike the Daniel Radcliffe character, I think putting him with Carl Urban gives like a bump to the to the casting altogether so far. Yeah, I think they'd have good chemistry. And if you haven't seen The Boys, Wayne, I definitely recommend you checking that out. That's two seasons worth. And I almost casted one of the main characters in there as our villain in uh, a former episode we've done. So definitely uh, a series that I highly recommend. Plan to check it out at some point. I haven't yet. Again, I keep getting distracted by all these other series. Give the boys 10 minutes. And if you're not in after 10 minutes, then it's not for you. But I swear, in that first 10 minutes, they do an amazing job of pulling you into a bit of a scope that you haven't seen from a superhero realm before. And it, it really grabbed me. And the two seasons they've put out so far are really, really important. So after Morpheus, we do move on to Trinity here, played by Carrie Ann Moss. She's the first person we see in the movie. And, uh, you know, she's the first person we see as part of Morpheus's crew. We see her kicking some ass. We see her using her smarts and her wits, her ability to run on the wall, which she uses several times in the movie. And, uh, you know, I got dark tomboy vibes from her other than when, you know, Neo started to kind of get involved. And then you start to see them have, you know, chemistry that starts to bud. But I think Carrie Ann Moss did a great job. My pick here, um, as you know, is... Laura Donnelly. And I picked Laura Donnelly because she is someone who I've seen have those same vibes put off in Outlander, in The Nevers. These are two recent shows where she plays a strong, independent female, someone who I've seen kick ass in The Nevers. The Nevers is actually something where once she she drowns, she comes back and she has some powers and she is actually a, a soldier from the future. I mean, she's kind of going back and forth between the two realities. She can see the future. She's set in time. So that bit of you know, strong set back and forth type of vibes that I got from those shows and just her look alone gave me a, a good pick. And I didn't want to go with someone that, you know, would be too obvious here. Um, I think there are a lot of obvious kind of brunettes that could have been picked, you know, like A, A or B listers. And so I wanted to pick someone like Laura Donnelly, maybe open up our listeners and maybe even you to uh, things that she's done. Yeah, and I will say that when I first saw her name, I didn't know who she was or what she had been in. And so I had to go through IMDb first, and then I had to go to YouTube and start typing in some of the shows that she'd been in and try to find some clips of her. And I will say this, uh, watching her in The Nevers, I saw all the qualities that I wanted to see in a trinity. Uh, she had leadership about her. She was very independent. She looks like she's in charge, which is great because Trinity has that feel. And she has like a subtle intimidation about her maybe. Uh, and I kind of like that. Plus, I think that what I really liked was she looks the right part in terms of she has those model-esque type looks. I mean, Carrie Ann Moss was in Models, Inc. prior to being in this. She has a very model look to her. Not like Giselle, 
but like almost like those more like you said, like a tomboy or more of a, a sportsman like model. And I think that that's some of the features I was looking at. So Laura Donnelly, I think, is a great pick. I think it captures the spirit of the character perfectly. As far as who I had, like I said, you know, I have dark goth chick. Every one of these people is going to be dark, so that's going to be one of my notes on all of these. Very strong, very serious, model-type features. I went with Adelaide Kane. She's 31 years old. She was Rebecca Bowen in SEAL Team. She is Drizella in Once Upon a Time, and boy, did I fall out of love with that show quick. And she plays Mary Stewart in 78 episodes of Rain. So I think that, you know, looking at her, she's played royalty, she's kind of regal, and she has the right features. So, again, similar to the Laura Donnelly character, I wanted somebody who has, anybody who's played, like, kind of in that 18 to 1900s range, strong female characters, I think is absolutely perfect for the role. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we did the same thing to each other here with this Trinity pick, is I presented you someone you were unfamiliar with, and you did the same to me. And what's funny is you just read off several things that I'm sure she crushed on her resume. But when I was unfamiliar with her and I went into her Google page, I saw one thing uh, that she had done and I go, God damn it, she's in. Uh, and she she played uh, a villain in Power Rangers. You know, she was, you know, kicking some booty in Power Rangers. You know, she obviously had some dialogue there being a villain of uh, a few episodes. You know, she had some dialogue there. So between that and uh, being in a soap opera, along with the things that you had noted. I think that she would do a wonderful job. So I, I love this pick from you. Don't have a lot of faults so far with your cast here, Wayne, because uh, I love the Adelaide Kane pick. Excellent. So we get onto Agent Smith, who was played by Hugo Weaving. And prior to this, he was in Reckless Kelly, Proof, Bedrooms and Hallways. He was the voice of Rex and Babe for all the Babe movies. Uh, not that that's a great thing. Obviously, after this, he does V for Vendetta, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And he plays V. So uh, he's great in this movie. I put he's clean cut. He looks like a businessman. He's slender. He's serious. And again, he can intimidate you just by being in the same room as you. The way he talks, his cadence is very deliberate. And uh, just when he's like, hello, Mr. Anderson, I, I love it. Like I, I could quote that over and over just because the way he delivers it. We're willing to wipe the slate clean. Give you a fresh start. All that we're asking in return is your cooperation in bringing a known terrorist to justice. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a really good deal. But I think I got a better one. How about I give you the finger and you give me my phone call? Oh, Mr. Anderson. You disappoint me. You can't scare me with this Gestapo crap. I know my rights. I want my phone call. Tell me, Mr. Anderson, what good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? Very, probably the toughest one for me to recast because he does such a good job. To me, he's the MVP, as the Field of Screens guys would say. He's my MVP of this movie. And I actually end up with Wentworth Miller. He plays Leonard Snart, Captain Cold in Flash. He was also the star of Prison Break, which was on TV for a little bit. He's also Legends of Tomorrow. He plays Captain Cold in that as well. And again, I just feel like he has, as the Leonard Snart character, he plays kind of that similar, he's a bad guy, but he's got like a subtle intimidation about you. He's not up in your face choking you. It's just like he's in the room with you and you're like, I better not mess up because I feel like this guy's going to wreck me. You could, but then I won't be around to stop my own private uplink that'll broadcast your identity to the world. So the million dollar question, what to do with me now, Barry Allen? Yeah, Wayne, I, I hated this pick. 
<laughs> at, fir- at first, let me tell you, man, I saw I, I saw who he was and I go, you're telling me that I'm supposed to believe this hunk that we are rooted for in prison break is the guy that you want me to believe is is uh, you know Agent Smith. But then, uh, yeah, you touched on it, Wayne. His work is Captain Cold, his subtleness, but also his delivery, just like Hugo Weaving. His delivery is Captain Cold is almost... Uh, like 50s radio kind of cartoony delivery you know it's 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 very repetitive where i noticed i watched several clips of him as captain cold and he goes tell me flash and he continues to say his contemporary's name several times just as hugo weaving does was the mr anderson so i felt like with that and the delivery that he has as captain cold it sold me 100 percent. i'm telling you as soon as i saw his name and his picture i looked at my mom and i go oh are you kidding me i can't believe this guy's a bad dude and then yeah after several clips of captain cold i was sold i thought this guy had the, the verbal delivery that crushed it just as hugo weaving did so this one for me was definitely a fun one i went here with cillian murphy he is someone that i know i have mentioned in previous episodes i don't believe i've actually casted him but i th- believe i've used him as an almost several times there are very few actors that I get a bad guy vibe from just by seeing his name or his his still photo. I don't even need to hear him talk without getting kind of chills. I mean, like, this guy's got some bad vibes going on around him. He was in the Batman series as Scarecrow. He was in 28 Days Later. He was in Inception. And uh, I think those things, along with other things that he's done, he gives me bad guy vibes as well as give me that clean-cut look that Hugo Weaving was able to pull off. I already know what he'll say. That we should kill you. Ah, even he can't get me in here. Not in my town. Would you like to see my mask? I use it in my experiments. I'm probably not very frightening to a guy like you. All right. Yeah. And I will say this. I love Cillian Murphy. I mentioned I just started watching Peaky Blinders and he's so good in that. He's just fantastic. And everything that he does, he's really good. And even as a scarecrow in Batman Begins, which of the three movies is probably the worst villain, I think. But he was so good as that villain, which is why I testament to how good those three villains were. And I will say this about who's actually uh, in Peaky Blinders this new season. He is teaming up with Tom Hardy. So how funny is that? And. I like him. and No, I love him. I love this pick as Agent Smith. And you're out there probably wondering, Wayne, how much do you love this pick? Well, a little bit of a spoiler for the end of the show. He was my almost. I was actually going to pick Cillian Murphy myself. And then I kind of went through. I was like, no, because I couldn't remember if I picked him before like you. I know we bring him up a lot. And so I was like, no, let's see who else I got. I've already recasted somebody three times. So <laughs> I went with uh, uh, Wentworth Miller. But yeah, Cillian Murphy, absolutely 100% perfect pick. Really nothing negative at all to say about it. Yeah, those clean-cut bad guy vibes are going to carry him everywhere. I mean, he's going to be pigeonholed into those villain uh, roles as often as they're going to be able to get him in there. But yeah, I I love both our picks there. I just had to note that originally I hated yours. Like last episode we did, you know, your being able to do the research really uh, helped sell me a bit. Our next character here is actually Cypher. So I'm going to start us off with Cypher. And I had a few different people here. So I'll tell you about our Almost Later. We've got a very exciting Almost Section fans. But my actual here is Bill Burr. Oprah was interviewing him and acting like she was dumbfounded that this guy would do this. Like, she's been in show business for 35 years and she can't, like, wrap her head around (laughs) some guy doing whatever it takes to get to the next level. 
Didn't she for the first five years have like midgets who wanted to bang their mailman's boyfriend? And she, and she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it, but she didn't have the power to say no. So she wrote it out. And then when she could make a good decision, she did a show, but she stood on the heads of those little people for five years until she got, and then she's sitting there. From Cypher, I get smarmy vibes. I couldn't have told you that was Joey Pantaleone just from seeing him straight on um, because we had just seen him in Bad Boys. I get good guy, like captain of, of the police force vibes. And then seeing him be kind of a, just a smarmy bad dude here in this movie. I got that same from Bill Burr, especially from most recently in Mandalorian. All of our fans who have seen Mandalorian will know that he was in uh, season two and he actually turned his back on Mandalorian, you know, for a time. So uh, I got those vibes from him and I thought he would be a good pick. You know, I don't want to stress age too often as I did in previous episodes, but I think he'd be a really good pick of Cypher, um, all things considered. Bill Burr is one of my all-time favorite comedians. He's hilarious. I love when he gets angry. He has that kind of angry humor to him, which is fantastic. And I will say this. So Joe Pantoliano, before he did this, he was in U.S. Marshals, Bound, Bad Boys, like you mentioned, as the chief. In fact, I had to go back and say, did I pick him as the chief in Bad Boys? But I did not. I picked Michael Rappaport. But here's the funny thing. So I'm looking at it, and I'm going to say this, is that I hated it at first, and I still don't like it. And when I tell you why, you think it's funny. I don't like it because it's too perfect. Like, it's like so easy because I feel like Bill Burr looks like him and he sounds like him and he talks like him and he's got the same energy as him. And it's like basically a clone. And I don't like Bill Burr is an actor so far. Everything I've seen him in, even The Mandalorian, the two episodes he were in were probably the two worst episodes of the series. I, I didn't really love him in that. But oh, like no, I said, you're, you're, you're skipping the Frog Lady episode there, Wayne. The Frog Lady episode was the worst. <laughs> Um, I don't know. This this is bad. And I would say that, you know, it's just so easy. And other than that, like I said, it's just because I felt like if you're doing a basketball trivia night with your friends and you're like, hey, who's your favorite Chicago Bull of all time? Right. And that first person's like, oh, Michael Jordan. You're just like, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Way to be creative, Billy. You know, <laughs> so I feel like same thing here. I felt like basically Bill Burr is a clone of Joe Pantoliano. And uh, I think he'll fit in absolutely perfectly the way that Pantoliano or Pantoliano did. But that's why I didn't like it is because it's just too good. You heard it here first, folks. Wayne doesn't like the pick because it's too awesome of a slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just too easy. I don't know. It's like too easy. I guess I got a little bit more creative with mine. And I went with Andy Serkis, who, you know, we would know from the voice of Caesar in Planet of the Apes, but probably most famous as being Ulysses Claw in the Black Panther movie and in, I think, Civil War he was in for a stretch. So Ulysses Claw is, when I see Andy Serkis in anything, he gives me that kind of douchebag vibe, like he's going to screw you over any chance he gets. Like He's kind of a cool, charismatic guy, so you can see why people would hang out with him maybe, but you also feel like he's going to stab you in the back to get away himself any chance that he gets. And so I really got that vibe from him. He's going to play Alfred, actually, in the new Batman, The Batman. And so that's going to be weird to see him in that kind of role because it's a very soft, caring role. But uh, Andy Circus again, I think he just has all the features of Cypher here. Yeah, I think I get the same kind of this guy will turn on you any moment he gets a chance to, but he's also interesting enough to listen to what he has to say because, you know, Cypher has a few interesting lines here when he's Trinity, when he's talking to Neo himself. I think that he did a great job with that pick. My only knock here, I think this is the only time I bring it up, is the age. I think your Trinity is, what, early 30s? 
Andy Serkis has got to be close to the 60 and he ends up like sniffing her and really kind of expressing like a a, a weird crush. And so I just think that's going to make it weirder, but that's not going to make the character not fit any worse. So I like your pick overall. I I think Andy Serkis is a great pick. It's a great three-point shot after my dunk. (laughs) Yeah, I will say this. I mean, definitely when it comes to like old white guys, he'd probably be the first creepy one in history. I mean, that's true. So Definitely out of character for that kind of demographic. But the uh, I will say about the Oracle, who go who we go next, is this was one where I actually just knew right off the bat who I wanted. I didn't even have to do any research. I didn't even look at anybody else because I knew who I wanted. Originally played by Gloria Foster. She was 66. She actually died in 2001 before Matrix 2 came out, even though she was in that. They had some stuff in the can that they could put her in there. But she was in two episodes of Law and Order, City of Hope, Leonard Six with Bill Cosby. You know, so hadn't done a whole lot, but she just plays that very wise. You believe her as the Oracle. I'm sorry, kiddo. I really am. You have a good soul. And I hate giving good people bad news. Don't worry about it. As soon as you step outside that door, you'll start feeling better. You'll remember you don't believe in any of this fate crap. You're in control of your own life. Remember? Here. Take a cookie. I promise by the time you're done eating it, you'll feel right as rain. And so I went with the Bill Cosby connection. I went with Felisa Rashad, who is married to Ahmad Rashad, and she is Claire Huxtable in The Cosby Show. She is a little bit older now, so she actually was a very pretty lady back in the day, but she's older now, and I feel like she is wise. She played a lawyer in that show. She was his wife and just always very intelligent, and that's what the Oracle needs to be. So I just felt like Felicia Rashad, this is my slam dunk, I feel like, with the the Oracle. Yeah, I honestly didn't know her name off the bat, but I showed her name to my mom, and I said, oh, this is who we picked, and she, she, she goes, oh, it's perfect. So, you know, my mom tips her hat to you there. I think, you know, you, you got her vote. After looking at what she's done, I think, you know, she's got a Tony Award, maybe more. But I noticed she, she was dubbed the mother of the black community. So um, if that doesn't scream Oracle, I don't know what does. I think that you, you did a great job. Believe it or not, I think the original actress, your representation, and then my representation all have a Bill Cosby connection. And it's not the weird one, listeners. It's not the weird connection. Again, I love your pick. My pick for the Oracle was Audra McDonald. She has done a ton of theater. She's got six Tony Awards. She's actually got the most ever. And I felt like both our our representations have some theater to her, which I think really fits because there is a methodical way about how the oral speaks and talks. I mean, let's Neo know about the vase. Oh, you know, don't worry about the vase. What vase? That one. So I felt like that was really cool. But yeah, there's there's a methodical way about how she's talking, how she's speaking. But the way that she's built up and the way that everybody is presented to you in this futuristic world, I got to say, when when you open the door and you see the Oracle, that's not who you expect to see. So I thought that was a very neat. But I think both our actresses really fit. Donald has been in private practice as a doctor. She's been an attorney in The Good Fight. So both ours have been, you know, lawyers. So I think, you know, both pretty good molds. Any comments on mine, Wayne? Yeah, the only thing I had, because I think that she's a good pick and watching the clips from the practice, I feel like she fits the role and she's going to be in the movie for 10 minutes, but have a huge impact. And I think she'll be able to do that. My only criticism of it, uh, I know you said with Andy Serkis was age with her. I feel like she looks a lot younger. Like 
she even younger than she actually is. I think she looks like she's about 40. And yet she's supposed to be like this 70 year old, you know, wise lady. And I guess I could always do some makeup and whatnot. But I just feel like she looks a little too pretty and a little too young. Oh, you could put a cigarette in her hand and you put her over a burning stove and put her hair a certain way. And I think she'll crush it. My tank is Melvin Gregg. Melvin Gregg is someone who I felt looked a lot the part of Tank. You know, the original actor doesn't have a huge catalog, not a long resume at all. And uh, the same with Melvin Gregg. He's kind of a, a budding superstar. I would say he's like your Dollar General Michael B. Jordan. He's got the, the looks, the physicality look. I mean, he looks like he could play Creed if Creed came out in like a rent to own. But he's been in a few things on Netflix. He was also on a show... Uh, on FX, but I'm watching him currently on Perfect Strangers. He's one of the actors I left out earlier when I said, you know, I've been watching them. And in that show, he uh, plays someone who won the lottery, won hundreds of millions of dollars, and is just lost. And he's hopeful to find himself. And that's what I see with Tank is someone who is young, hopeful, just looking to find himself. And he's very excited about what the possibility of Neo is bringing to him. You know, at one point, you know, we see him plugging in all the kung fu and taekwondo and all of the fighting sequences into neo as neo loves it now I'm supposed to start with these operation programs first as major bartering said let's do something a little more fun how about combat training jiu-jitsu i'm going to learn jiu-jitsu that's probably the biggest you know, scene we have from Tank. And uh, one other is we see him have to, you know, almost make a decision on kind of cutting off Morpheus, um, who he explains is a bit of a father to him. So I really like Tank's character. Again, mine's Melvin Gregg. Yeah, and I did some research because I didn't know him by name. And when I saw that he was in Nine Perfect Strangers, I was like, of course he is. Jesse's picking somebody from a show he's watching. But we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, the note that I think I is was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> The note that we have on this that's the funniest to me is my note, the first note I have when under his name is poor man's Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned that he's like a dollar store Michael B. Jordan. And as far as the character itself, I mean, it's not quite a throwaway role, but it's pretty close. You know, we could really cast anyone we want here. Uh, I just felt I put for notes, he's quiet and he's got muscle, you know, and I feel bad for him when his brother dies because uh, Cypher kills his brother. And I kind of feel bad for him there. I went with Norman Reedus. So back on the spoiler I'm, alert, I'm watching. Yeah, I'm watching The Walking Dead uh, now. So, and I went with Norman Reedus, who I think plays that kind of role so well. He was in The Walking Dead. He's Daryl. He was Scud and Blade too. And he's Murphy McManus in the Boondock Saints. Uh, he's a very loyal person. He's very quiet as well. And I think that again, similar to Tank, he would feel bad about having to pull the plug on Morpheus. He would, you know, be upset about his brother being killed and the. The few scenes that he actually has to be at the forefront of the scene, I think he'd be fine. You want blood? I get it. Take it from me, man. Come on. Yeah, so I think you let your fandom get in the best of you here, Wayne. I think, you know, you cast a few Walking Dead characters so far, and I think this one, you, you couldn't help yourself. Norman Reedus is just, he's a bit too old and way too wiry for me to be Tank. I mean, this guy's name is Tank for a reason, and Norman Reedus is, is mid-50s now, and he's certainly not someone that I look at and go, look at this guy's a Tank. If you're picking Murphy McManus, Norman Reedus, maybe someone back then where, you know, he's he's younger and more believable to to have some muscle, but... 
now. I just I think you've let your your love and passion for The Walking Dead make you pick a, a an odd pick here. I don't love it, especially considering we just touched on you know Morpheus has made such a father like impact on him, and I think he's probably older than your Michael Jai White, or they're very close to the same age. So it's just it seems a bit wonky there, and I think it comes down to your your fandom may have got the best of you there. No, see, I think it's because you haven't watched The Walking Dead because he's pretty shredded. You know, a lot of times we'll see Daryl in just like a vest and he's got like his arms coming out and he's got the vein through the bicep. You know, he's uh, pretty jacked. So I, I don't think he's wiry by any means. Like, uh, I think, you know, Michael Sarah is wiry. You know, uh, Norman Reedus is actually pretty chiseled and maybe he's not a tank, but I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that the original actor was that who, by the way, is Tommy Chong's stepson. I didn't think was uh, all that jacked. He was just cut up. Oh, he's a tank, man. You see Dozer and Tank? Right. Well, Dozer looked big. <laughs> he went uh, down like yeah, a ragdoll. The last one we had was Mouse, who Mouse is played by Matt Doran, 23 years old. He was in the Thin Red Line, Home and Away. Again, this is kind of a throwaway role. We can kind of put anyone we want in here. I just put he has to be young. He's a graphics kind of punk, and he is a little bit of a comic relief for the first part of the film. So I kind of liked him. It would have been nice if he lived a little bit longer because he was a little bit funny in a movie that's very dark and serious. But I went with Logan Lorman, who is Percy Jackson in the Percy Jackson movies. He's in Perks of Being a Wallflower, Fury, The Butterfly Effect. He's done some acting. And again, I think he looks the part. He might be a little bit older. I think he's like 30 now. So he's older than the original actor, but he's still younger than the rest of my cast. So he kind of fits in that way. Right. Yeah. What I have for Mouse is he's, he's the, you know, the youngest one of that team on the Nebuchadnezzar. He's the one that makes the uh, digital image of the girl in the red dress that Neo takes a peek at. You know, being the youngest and the first to die of that crew, you know, we, you know, we gear ourselves to, to him a little bit. And uh, so I think he did a good job of picking a, a young guy, someone who still has boyish looks and someone who in Percy Jackson was, the, you know, the, the young lead. And I felt like I, I did the same in trying to pick someone who was a, a young movie star who is maybe kind of building himself as a, uh, maybe a more credible adult actor now. And that was Asa Butterfield. He was the almost, um, if Spider-Man did an almost, he came up second to Tom Holland for the Spider-Man running, but he was in Ender's Game. And he's currently the Netflix show Sex Education as the male lead there. But I feel like he definitely has those boyish looks. This role, I didn't really look too far into this other than having boyish looks and someone that you could kind of really just, you could care for after you him kind of go down guns of base and scarface style yeah exactly i think that's all you really needed here is just a guy who's going to be the program guy who's going to design stuff and you know throw a few quips in there that make you chuckle a little bit i think he fits that role again i saw him originally in boy in the striped pajamas and i've seen miss peregrine's peculiar children movie which i've seen a few times now and yeah i think he fits again, both the picks yeah, Hugo, both the picks just had to be young guy who is believable as young. As long as you didn't pick Donald Sutherland, I think we were going to be pretty good with this one. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's the that's the full cast. And I, I don't know if you want to go over our almost. I only have four of them. I don't know uh, if you want to go through some of yours. Yeah, so I have some almost. Um, what I'd like to do, Wayne, is uh, go over our almost. We have a few almost that Hollywood uh, did back then. So instead of who they actually chose, who who turned down the role or who didn't actually get casted. And I think, you know, that'd be fun to get a, a few minutes of chatter out of as well. If I wasn't going to pick Daniel Radcliffe, I was going to pick Scott Eastwood, most notably knowing Clint's son. But uh, he's definitely establishing himself as a very good actor nowadays. And I think he's got some good looks, but not too built to not be able to play the Neo here. 
If I was going to go with Morpheus, I was going to go with someone who recently used, and that was Mahershala Ali, who's uh, going to be Blade coming up. If I was going to pick Laura Donnelly, it was going to be Kristen Stewart. I felt like she gave off those same kind of like tough, tomboyish vibes. If I wasn't going to pick uh, Celia Murphy for Agent Smith, I was going to go with Walter Goggins. He's been uh, in a few uh, things recently, and he's got a weird look to him. If I wasn't going to go with Bill Burrow, I was going to go with Jesse Eisenberg. He was bald in, uh, as Lex Luger, and I felt like he also played a bit of a, a, a bit of a scummy trader as Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network. I thought maybe that'd be a good one to go with. That's it for my almost. You give us yours, and I'll give you uh, what Hollywood almost did back then. Yeah, and I'll say I'm glad that you didn't go with a lot of those because I can't stand Jesse Eisenberg, and so I would have hated that pick. And Kristen Stewart, I'm all Kristen Stewart, and I, I don't want to see Diana or anything that she's going to be in anytime soon. So good job not going with those people. For me, with Neo, I had almost went with Ezra Miller. I think that he's got kind of that similar Keanu Reeves vibe. For Morpheus, I looked right. at Winston Duke. Uh, for Trinity, Zoe Saldana, I think would have been really good. And then I had mentioned Agent Smith. Cillian Murphy was my almost. I really would have liked Winston Duke as your Morpheus. If it wasn't going to be Keanu Reeves back in the day, do you know who came down to? Um, I would. Th- I mean, again, this because this came out in 1999. Uh, Tom Cruise? Nope. He, he wasn't on the list. Uh, I have several actors, but the top guy down was Will Smith. Okay, I can see it. Uh, he turned it. He turned it down because he was doing a great movie. I'm sure you love Wild Wild West. Good choice. <laughs> uh, um, and uh, other guys that turned it down were Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, and Johnny Depp. Nicholas Cage turned it down because he didn't want to go and do uh, filming in Australia, which is where they did the filming. Thank God Nicholas Cage turned it down. Uh, I think he's great in everything. So if it wasn't going to be Lawrence Fishburne, the top hopefuls for Morpheus were Russell Crowe and Samuel L. Jackson. We would have gotten like a red or blue pill motherfucker. The uh, top leads for Trinity, which I don't like either of these, were going to be Janet Jackson or Sandra Bullock. Mm, Sandra Bullock, I can see coming off of speed, I guess, but Janet Jackson, I don't get at all. Yeah, no thank you. Jean Reno um, was a French actor, and uh, he was tapped to be Agent Smith, but he also didn't want to go to Australia to do filming. He was in Mission Impossible and a few others. Uh, you'd know him if you saw him. Maybe you just know him based on the name I said, but he did not want to go uh, to Australia to be Agent Smith, so that's how uh, it ended up being Hugo Weaving. Yeah, I definitely don't know anybody with that name, but Jean Renault is actually a, a really good actor <laughs> who was in The Professional, <laughs> Leon The Professional, which was fantastic. <laughs> no, no, no. I've got Jean Reno here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, the, yeah, that's the almost that Hollywood had, but... Thanks to everybody that stuck with us through some early uh, technical issues. I know Wayne's going to do his best to buffer those out, and maybe they're not even going to be existent. But I love this episode. Again, this was an episode that was asked to do by uh, another podcast out there. So thank you for the recommendation. We love to hear any recommendations or thoughts on the episodes that we do or could possibly do for you all. And this was a fun rewatch. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it, and I like when people pick movies that I've seen a bunch of times that I don't have to necessarily watch it a lot. I do know that we have the request from John Vincent to watch Heat, and you mentioned not liking to watch epic movies like The Godfather. So if anybody has a recommendation and wants to leapfrog John Vincent, uh, shoot it over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you don't want to see us do another Robert De Niro movie, let us know. I was actually thinking of uh, Michael J. White and uh, Idris Elba for this role here. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, new Pacino and De Niro. (laughs) (laughs) 
You son of a B. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, just make sure you're following us on social media at Recast the Podcast on Facebook. Also, join our group, All Things Movies, and comment on anything movie-related. Post whatever you want. New clips, trailers. We like to see that stuff because we talk about it on the show. Uh, Instagram, we're not as active. I try to throw up the cast on there, but I don't really do a whole lot on there. But that's at Recast the Podcast 8. And then Twitter is really right down the middle for us. That is uh, at Recast the Podcast. Hit us up. You can private message us, direct message us. You can comment on the post. We do tag all of these podcasts every time we post something. So every time you comment, they get a notification. I know we had uh, the 90s movies podcast had an issue at first, but we smoothed it all out. And uh, they're cool. They're on board now. Awesome. Yeah, thanks again for everybody listening, and uh, pretty this up, Wayne. All right, will do. That's all, folks.